Hello and welcome to another podcast brought to you by Life Community Church, Leamington Spa. Recorded at one of our Sunday morning services, we hope this message inspires, equips and encourages you to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Well, good morning everybody. It's absolutely fantastic to see you all this morning. And a big welcome to everyone at home listening on our podcast as well. Thank you for tuning in. Well, my message this morning is entitled, If Every Moment Counts. If Every Moment Counts. I wonder if you're a little bit like me and you love to get the most out of everything. So what I mean by that is if you wander around my house from time to time and you go into the kitchen, you might see on the window ledge the washing up liquid is upside down, leaning against the window. Why is that? Because I'm convinced that there's a week's worth of washing up liquid left in that bottle. Amen. So, oh no, Dave, it's not going in the bin. No way. And then come with me up the stairs into the bathroom. And there in the bathroom, leaning across and leaning against the bath, you may see a shampoo bottle upside down. Why, may you ask? Because there's at least another three washes of my hair in that shampoo bottle. And then there's a toothpaste tube, which almost makes its way into the bin. But I say, no. There's another three days worth of toothpaste for my children in that tube. We've got to make the most of it. We've got to get every last drop out of these things. Is that just me? Is there anybody else? No, thank goodness. There's hands and people nodding at me. And then there's there's time. I wonder if you're one of those people that Again, like me, just wants to get the most out of time. So maybe you have a plan. Maybe you write yourself a schedule for the day ahead. Maybe you put everything in your diary. Maybe you keep to-do lists. Any to-do list fans in the house? There's a few. I love a good to-do list. You can't beat it. And I love it when you you do something and you tick it off. Or maybe you cross it out with a big black pen because you feel like I'm getting the most out of my day I'm actually getting a few bits done I'm getting the most out of my time and I once heard someone say time is like this time is like a suitcase turn to the person next to you and say suitcase time is like a suitcase we all have the same amount But some people just seem to pack more into theirs than others. It's like a suitcase. We all have the same amount. But some people seem to just pack more into their time than maybe somebody else. And see, the fact is that I'm sure we'd all agree this morning that time matters. That actually every moment does count that we live in a society where there's one speed. Fast, fast, fast. Like, everything is fast. Like, I think we're living in a generation where no other generation has had so many time-saving devices, yet we seem to have so 
little time. Everyone's in a rush, yet we've got all this stuff that supposedly helps us to save our time. And we've got a friend, and he was telling Dave a few days ago that he's got something in his house where in his car, on the way back from work, he can press some fancy buttons on his phone and he can have the heating on when he gets home. And even better, get this, the kettle is time to boil. So when he walks in through the door, the heating's on, the kettle's just boiled for a nice cup of tea. I mean, talk about saving time. I mean, whatever next? There's going to be robots coming out of our kitchen making us meals that have just come out of the microwaves because they're the fast food as well. I mean, we're, we're, we're like fanatic, aren't we, about saving time because we've all got so much that we want to do with our time. And my question today is, if every moment counts, how should this affect the way that you and I live our life? If every moment really counts, then how can you get the most out of your everyday? How can you get the most out of tomorrow, Monday, and the most out of the rest of 2019? And to help us answer this question today, we're going to dip into the Bible and we're going to look at an incredible character from the Bible. We're going to look at the character of David. And for those of us here and listening that may not know much about David, let me paint a real quick picture. So David becomes King David later in his life at the age of 30. And he is spoken about in the book of 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel. So that's in the Old Testament before the New Testament and Jesus. And the life of David is an absolutely amazing, amazing story. And a few things about David. Well, we meet David as a shepherd boy right at the beginning of his life. And the Bible says that David was a handsome boy and he was ruddy. Now, let me stop on this just for a moment because ruddy actually means red or maybe ginger. So David was a handsome boy with red or ginger hair. And what is the colour of my husband's hair, everybody? It's red or ginger. So he's definitely handsome. It's biblical. Okay, tell him later. You're definitely handsome. It's in the Bible. So David is young. He's handsome. He's got this ruddy ginger hair. And he is a shepherd. He is taking care of his father's sheep. But what was it like to be a shepherd boy? Well, actually, it was not a glamorous role at all for David. In fact, he would have probably spent many days, maybe even weeks, alone with the sheep up on the Bethlehem Hills, maybe taking them through some of the wilderness. He would have had to have made sure that these sheep were watered and they were fed because otherwise they'd die. And that would not be a successful job. He would have to take them from one plot of land to the next. Now, if you've even been out with my three kids, 
getting them from one area to the next can be a challenge. Imagine a herd of sheep. He would have to have got them from one location to another. And even more so, David would have to have protected the sheep. What did that look like? Well, actually, this is where it gets really quite gruesome. If a lion or a bear spotted the pack of sheep and thought, lunch, dinner, wonderful, it would be David as the shepherd that would have to protect those sheep. No, you're not having my sheep. They're my father's sheep, and it's my responsibility that they stay alive. And actually, we find out as we read through some of Samuel that David was incredibly brave in the way that he looked after those sheep. You see, he even says later on in 1 Samuel, when he's defending his bravery, hey, when I looked after my father's sheep, if a lion or a bear came near these sheep, I'd run after that lion. I'd take the sheep and then I'd kill that lion or that bear. That is some brave boy. Like, I'd be running in the other direction, probably with you, thinking about myself, not the sheep. But actually, that was some of the stuff that David did as a shepherd. But how would it have felt being a shepherd? I think at times, David would have felt lonely, isolated, forgotten, bottom of the pack. Everyone else is with dad. I'm up here with this lot of sheep. Sound familiar? Sometimes you and I, we can have times and moments where we may feel lonely, isolated, forgotten, and even maybe the bottom of the pack. But if we're feeling like that, there's good news coming. You see, as David, the shepherd boy, found himself with those sheep day in and day out, I believe that we see from scripture that actually David made a decision. He made a decision that actually I'm going to make my every moment count while I'm up here and while I'm shepherding the sheep. I'm going to make my every moment count. I don't know how long I'm going to be a shepherd boy for. It could be a few more months. It could be a few more years. Maybe this is going to be my lot for several years. I don't know. I can't see the bigger picture. Often you and me, we can't see the down there. We can only see the right now. And that was all David could see. I'm a shepherd boy. But he made a decision. I'm going to make every moment count. Every moment count. And we're just going to look at a couple of ways that David did that. And the first thing that David did was David, he embraced his place. You see, we see from the story of David that David decided, I am going to become the best shepherd. While these sheep are under my care, I'm going to become the best shepherd there is. I'm going to care for these sheep. I'm going to watch over them. When that lion and that filthy bear comes to get them, I'm going to fight over these sheep. I'm going to defend them. I'm going to take down the lion. I'm going to take down the bear. I'm going to embrace the place that I'm in as 
this shepherd boy. You see, what I love is in 1 Samuel 17, verse 20, there's one day when David's, when David's dad says, David, there's some cheese sandwiches. Go down to the battle line where your brothers are with Goliath and take them these sandwiches. And you know what the Bible says? The first thing David did was he got up early. He found another keeper to look after the sheep and then he took the cheese sandwiches. You see, even when he was given permission to move a little and go somewhere else for the day, he still embraced his space as that shepherd. He wasn't babysitting those sheep. He was owning those sheep. He didn't just do a runner with the cheese sandwiches. He thought, I'm going to make sure these sheep are protected. They're cared for. So that when I return from the cheese sandwich run, they're going to be okay. They're going to be as I left them. You see, David, he embraced his place. And he became the very best shepherd he could be. How about you? Are you embracing your place? Where you are in the story of your life right now? I don't think we've got any shepherds here. But we've certainly got a whole blend of lots of other people. Are you embracing your place? Maybe the job that you work. Maybe the role that you have in your family. Maybe the opportunities that are sitting in your world at the moment. Like David made the decision, I'm going to become the best shepherd. Are you fully embracing the place where you are at the moment? You see, just a few people that were on my heart as I was preparing this. Maybe you're here or you're listening and you're single. You're not yet married. Maybe you're happy about that. Maybe you're not quite so content with that. But I want to encourage you, embrace the place of singleness. Do the things that maybe you can do now, that maybe you can't do if you're married. Take the opportunities that maybe singleness is opening out for you. Do the traveling that you may not be able to do in 10 years' time. Embrace that singleness. And can I say, when you meet someone, it's not two halves coming together to make a whole. On your own, in your singleness, you are whole. It's two wholes coming together. You're not going to be whole when you meet a partner. God wants you to be whole now in your singleness to embrace the beauty that singleness can give. Maybe you're here and you're retired and you think, well, I'm done, I think. Leanne, thank you very much. I've done my bit. I've worked hard. I've lived a few dreams. But I just feel God would want to say, no, there's more for you. There's more for you retired people. Actually, I dare to prophesy that this could be your best season Do you know one of the reasons why? Because you're full of wisdom. 
you've been through so much stuff. You've got so many stories that maybe, just maybe, God has been building all that story in your life for such a time as now. Because this could be the best season for you to embrace your place. I love talking to this woman down here, Thelma. She's beautiful because she's got so many stories. The Lord has done this, Leanne. I've learned this, Leanne. When you're married, Leanne, this is important. She's not done. There's so much more. And that's for so many of you. Embrace your place. Maybe you're a mom here and you're like, I'm just a mom. Maybe you can't work. I'm just, I'm just staying at home. You're not just a mom. David could have said, I'm just the shepherd. Hello. No. If you're a mother, wow. The influence you've got over your family. The influence you've got with those conversations you have every day. The influence you've got. Maybe you're here and you're like, I'm in a dead-end job. Don't even like it. Doing this stuff, don't even know what it's for, really. Well, actually, can I say that when David was with those sheep, he didn't know what God was setting him up for. 10, 15 years down the road, he was going to be king of the Israelite nation. Those things that he was doing that we're going to look at in just a moment, they were setting him up for his future. Can I say, you don't know what God's setting you up for now. You have no idea what you're doing now, how it's linked to your future. But what do you need to do? You need to embrace that place. You need to embrace the place where you are fully. I'm a mom, as you know, I've got three children, and most days of the week I do the school run. And I love it! I don't love getting up and getting them ready. That's a bit stressful, isn't it, Madeline? <laughs> but I love doing the school run. Why? Because I get to meet so many beautiful people, mums, dads, families, teachers. And it's a privilege getting to know these people. And I could think, it's just a school run. Oh, man. Ah, oh, why do I have to do that? But I'm embracing it. Every day, every week, God, who, who do you want me to bless in the playground? Who, who do you want me to talk to? Is there somebody you want me to pray for? Is there somebody you want me to have a coffee with? God, I want to embrace that place because it's not going to last forever. In a few years, the last one will be at secondary and I'll be in floods of tears on the playground. But I'm embracing the place. How about you? What's your place? Second thing David did, because he knew that every moment counted, he expanded himself. Expand yourself. You see, we see again in the book of 1 Samuel that actually during that time when David was a shepherd boy, he learned and acquired skills that were significant for his future. Just a few. David became an incredible musician. He played the harp. Any harp players here? Oh, fantastic. We have a harp player. Round of applause. <laughs> Wonderful. 
So, please correct me later if I'm wrong, but I can't imagine the harp being an easy instrument to play. It would take skill and it would take practice. But the Bible says that David became such a great harp player that he was requested to play for the king. Now, if Martin was going to take his fiddle for the queen, he'd have to get some serious practicing and get good. And David honed his gift to such a degree that reputation went ahead of him. There's a great harp player in a young man called David. And here's what it says in 1 Samuel 16, verse 18. Thank you, Daniel. And Samuel said, no, no, 16 verse 18, if we can go to that one. Then one of the servants answered and said, Look, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, that's David, who is skillful in playing, a mighty man of valor, a man of war, prudent in speech, and a handsome person, and the Lord is with him. Wow, he was such a great harpist that people had heard about him. And they said, let's go get him. You see, I believe and I I picture that David's with the sheep days, hours, weeks. And rather than wasting his time and fiddling his thumbs and feeling sorry for himself and hitting the stones, he thought, wow, I've got a harp. Why don't I start practicing the harp? Why don't I start making a tune? Why don't I start writing a song? Why don't I start learning that little up and down bit and get that little tune going? And day after day, week after week, what did he become? He became a great musician. Also, David became a great songwriter. And the book of Psalms, there's 150 Psalms. And the book of Psalms is right in the middle of the Bible. If you open your your Bible right to the middle, there is the book of Psalms. There's 150 songs, poems. Many of them were written to music. And David wrote between 73 and 75 of those Psalms. So mathematicians in the room, let's call it half the book. He wrote half the book, people, of these psalms, of these poems, of these beautiful melodies. And I think some of his inspiration, maybe a great amount of those psalms came when? When he was the shepherd boy. When he embraced his place. When he was up on the hills. Maybe one day he thought, I've got a few few words in in my mind, a few Words of praise to the God of Israel. The Lord is my shepherd. Yeah, he actually is. He's with me. He actually is. And maybe one day he decided, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to capture these words somehow. I'm going to memorize them. I don't know, did he, did he somehow scribe them out? But something happened where in the moments that count, David started to expand himself. And what else did he do? We see it there. He was a mighty man of valor. You see, David wasn't born as a warrior. He was born like you and me. He had to train himself to become a warrior. You see, have you ever thought 
about the day when David met Goliath. Goliath was a giant which no Israelite would fight. He was huge. And that day, cut a long story short, when David saw him and he spoke to the king, saw, I'll take him down. My God is with me. But get, let's give me, get the armor, get the armor on him, boys. No, I don't want no armor, David said. I'll tell you what I've got. I've got a sling and I've got five stones. And everybody thought he was crackers. But that day, David knew, I'm going to put that sling, that stone even, in that sling. And I'm going to get him right where I know it's going to cause the most danger. You see, I wonder, friends, if when David was up on those hills with the sheep, as he embraced his pl place, as he expanded himself, I wonder if he started practicing with his sling. Hey, I've got a sling. There's some stones. I'm going to start practicing my targets. I'm going to start harnessing this skill. Because just maybe one day, I might need it. I don't know. I might need it. When I'm looking after these sheep, when I'm defending myself, I might need this skill. Because I don't think he just walked up to Goliath that day, never having used a sling, never having used stones. He'd expanded himself. He'd allowed himself to grow in the place where he was. And I want to ask you this morning, how can you expand yourself? What's in your hand? What's in your world now? How can you expand yourself? Maybe it's time for you to learn a new language. Maybe there's some further study you need to embark on that you've been even putting off. Maybe you need to read more, to deepen your knowledge, to expand yourself. Maybe you need to enroll in some exercise that is going to do you good all round. Maybe you need to push yourself and engage with people that maybe normally you might try and hide from or run away from. How do you need to expand yourself? Because little did David know, wow, the harpist, it was going to take him to the feet of the king. The songwriting, well, you and me are still reading them today, people. And the warrior, he was going to take down Goliath, and that's where it was all going to begin. And eventually, he'd be leading thousands into battle, thousands of people. What's in your hand? Where do you need to expand yourself? And I bought in one of my favourite cookbooks this morning. I am a huge Jamie Oliver fan. If you ever want to get me a cookery book, please get me a Jamie Oliver one. I love him. And this one here, I've had it for many years. Maybe you've seen it, maybe you've got it. It's called Ministry of Food. And it's a, cook, a, a cookbook for basics. Look, a basic lamb rogan josh, and it tastes good, doesn't it, Dave? We've done that one. But Jamie Oliver, he wrote this book because he was inspired by one thing. And it says right on the bottom, pass it on. 
He got, it's been on TV, you might have seen the documentary, a group of people that couldn't cook, didn't want to cook, and he said, I'm going to teach you some ingredients, some recipes that you're going to love, but there's one condition. You need to pass it on. You need to get your mate round, show the recipe to your family, and pass it on, because he wanted to get people passionate about healthy, homemade food. And friends, as I was preparing this message this week, it was so strong on my heart that I felt God say, it's time for my people to pass it on. Maybe you've got a skill. Maybe you've got a gift that it's like you're sitting on it. Yeah, I can do this thing. Yeah, I can cook. Yeah, I can sew. Yeah, I can teach people. Yeah, I can teach musical instruments. Yes, I can help people with budgeting. Yes, I can help people with organising. Yes, I can help people with fitness and health. Yes, I can help people navigate through mental health issues. And the list goes on. But I felt God saying, it's time to not sit on it anymore, but to share it, to pass it on. Maybe you need to expand yourself by actually sharing your abilities and gifts and insight with those in your world. Maybe it will start off with one person. One person that you think they need help in that area and I know that's an area I can help them in. Great. One person. If God wants to bring you two people or ten people, he'll sort it. Maybe just one person. But how do you need to expand yourself? And finally, as David embraced his place, has he expanded himself through his learning? One day, a normal day, another day of looking after the sheep, another day of being away from his brothers and his dad, something not so ordinary took place. And we're going to just see a nutshell of it in 1 Samuel 16, verses 11 to 13. And Samuel, Samuel is a prophet. That's a messenger of God. He's an important person. And Samuel said to Jesse, that's David's dad, are all the young men here, that's David's brothers? Then Jesse's dad said, oh, there remains yet the youngest. And there he is, keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send him, send and bring him. For we will not sit down till he comes here. So we sent and brought him in. Now he, that's David, was ready with bright eyes and good looking. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him, for this is the one. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him, that's David, in the midst of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel arose and went to Ramah. You see, that day, wow, what a kick in the teeth. All the brothers are there. Dad's there. No, God says to Samuel, none of these are going to be the king of Israel. And suddenly Samuel said, well, is there anybody else? Oh, oh, 
come to think of it, I have got another son. How would you feel? Oh, yeah, he's just looking after the sheep. Can I just say, God knows your postcode. You might feel like you've been forgotten. You might feel like you're on the hills looking after the sheep, as it were. God knows where you are, and God will come find you. And God will open opportunities for you, even if you think, but maybe I'm forgotten. So he comes down. And as we read there, David is anointed and Samuel says, you are going to be the king of Israel. David's life was marked forever that day. He'd never forget it. And I believe that day something happened right on the inside of David. And this is my very last point. David started to expect opportunities. He'd embraced his place. He'd expanded himself. And that day, something I think awoke up in him that said, I'm going to expect opportunities. I don't know how long I'm going to be the shepherd boy for. It might be a few more years. But that's okay. Because I'm going to expect opportunities from my God. And you see, church, God wants you to live with this mindset. He wants you to live your life expecting opportunities. That every day as you get out of bed, as you go around your normal routines, God wants you to live expecting opportunities. God, what have you got for me today? God, Who do you want me to speak with today? God, is there a miracle that you want to do through my life for someone else today? God wants you to live expecting. So often we just wake up and we don't expect nothing. And we get to the end of the day and we've received nothing. Because actually, what were you expecting? Nothing. I come to church, what you expecting? Nothing really, just the normal. Well, you'll probably leave with not much or nothing. But I want to challenge you that if you live every day of your life expecting opportunities, just wait and see. Just wait and see what happens. When I pray and ask God to give me opportunities to share my faith, guess what happens nine times out of ten? Something very natural pops up. A conversation opens. Why? Because actually I believe in faith. I was expecting. I was waiting. I was getting ready. What are the opportunities that God wants you to expect. You see, the Spirit of God came upon David. But friends, can I say, now, through Jesus, in these days, there's something better. The Spirit of God, if you're a Christ follower, is not on you. It's in you. It's in you. The power of God is in you. 
So that means that you can face every day with the Spirit of God living in you, expecting opportunities. God, what have you got for me today? God, let me embrace the place I'm in. God, let me expand myself because every moment counts. Because every moment counts. Because God has got opportunities that he's just waiting to give you. One of the things I love about this church, many things I love about this church, is every Sunday when we pray in our Life Lounge, and by the way, anyone can join us, 10 till 10.15, every week there's an expectancy. Every week people are there and they're praying, not because, well, that's what we do, even though it is, but people are expecting, God, would you move today? God, would you speak to people today? God, would you heal the sick? Would you heal the brokenhearted today? God, would you do something tangible? Every week we're expecting. Friends, let's be more like that. Let's be more expectant because actually our God can do anything. The problem most regularly is me. It's you. He's not the problem. He's never been the problem. We've always been the problem. It's followed us through creation. We're the problem, not him. He's just waiting, friends. He's waiting. He's waiting to pour so much over you. And in closing, I just want to say that your life is significant. That every moment of your world counts. That your life does count. That your life does make a difference. That your life is significant. There's never going to be another one of you. So use all of you. Like me with my shampoo and my fairy liquid. I want to get every drop out. Use all of you. Pour all of you out. You've only got today. You've only got now. We don't know what tomorrow brings, friends. Those poor, poor families in Christchurch, New Zealand. A month ago, did they see the terror that was awaiting them? We have now. Our lives are in his hands for now. And my challenge and encouragement to you is simply this. Will you embrace your place? Will you expand yourself? And will you expect opportunities? And I'm going to invite you now just to stand where you are. I'm going to pray for us this morning. And if you're comfortable with this, as we stand across this place, I'm going to invite you just to stretch out your hands in front of you. If you want to receive something from the Holy Spirit today, if something has spoken to your heart 
from the life of David, why not stretch out your hands? And I'm going to pray. Father God, I want to thank you for what we learn from your word. I thank you, God, that we too are like David. We are not perfect. We have trials and tribulations to navigate through. But I thank you that like David, you want our lives to count. You want every moment to count. And I want to thank you for these good, good people that are here this morning. Every man, every woman, every family that's represented. And I ask, Father God, for every heart that is open, that you would bless them. I want to ask that through your spirit that you would help every individual to embrace the place that they're in, the season of life that they find themselves in, that they would see it as you see it. They would walk it as you want them to walk it. And that, Father, that your people would not hold back from throwing everything in. I pray for your people that they would know where to expand themselves. If there's gifts they're sitting on, that they would be released. If there's new gifts that you want to bring into their world, would you show them? If there's things that are already in their hand that you want them to harness, would you help them to do that, to be patient, to find others that can help them? And that, Father, that their gifts would shine for you. And I pray over each one of us that you would help us to live each day with an expectancy. That because every moment counts, we would live expectant. Help your people as they get out of bed in the morning, as they shower, dress, as they face the day, that in their spirits would rise an expectancy that that day could be the best day yet. Help us to see, to see the opportunities, to see the people around us, to even see the things that have become familiar as you see them. Give your people bravery and courage to be all that you want them to be. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. We love you. Amen. We hope that you enjoyed this message. For many more resources and for more information, visit our website at www.life-cc.org.